You're listening to the 108 Bricks Podcast. Go ahead and follow us on Twitter at 108BricksPod and also use the hashtag 108Bricks to get involved with each show. Also, be sure to give us a like on Facebook, 108 Bricks Podcast, and get involved with all of our conversations during the show. is going on ladies and gentlemen we are back i think if i'm correct this is episode 10 we've hit 10 episodes is it i thought this was episode 9 it's one of the other last episode we've got got something well this is episode 10 of 108 bricks the chicago cubs podcast i'm dylan buckwhites i'm curtis coke now interestingly enough i've actually heard the uh, the podcast abyss is episode thirteen, where the abyss? average yeah basically where no podcasts ever make it past episode thirteen because everyone loses interest. Interesting. Exactly. Interesting. Now, uh, now <laughs> I don't I don't really understand why, but our goal is I think if we can get past that thirteenth episode, we'll be uh, we'll be home free, and this is this is probably definitely the hardest time to be recording a Chicago Cubs podcast. Oh yeah, mostly for because sure. the Chicago Cubs aren't playing, and we're in a time right now where our best stats and some of the best news that we can come at you with right now is the fact that John Lester led all of the National League pitchers <laughs> in base running. It's freaking mind blowing! Which is great. We have the best base running pitcher in all of baseball right now with John Lester, <laughs> and so. It's great. We can we can go out and brag. I'm going to go to be like the Brewers and be like, hey, Brew Crew, suck it. Our pitchers can run the bases. Uh, until the Brewers might sign Jake Arrieta. No, no we're not going to. He's that's been not rumored no, to no, be no, 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 no. linked to him, according to um, MLB Network's John Morosi. Um, as, we, as we know, Arrieta is actually coming off his worst season with the Cubs. He had a 353 ERA in 30 enough. starts. Yeah, ironically enough, which... Honestly, I don't think anybody would mind a, a 3.53 ERA from a guy that helped you win the World Series and kind of took you to a, a, a land where no one has ever been before. Yeah, he brought the, the Cubs for a he long brought us time. to the promised land. Yeah, exactly. Uh, now so, we all have egos. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now he all has egos, and the turnaround from him has also been pretty remarkable. From what he was in Baltimore to turn around and become the guy that he, he was. He was literally marked down as Baltimore's worst ever starting pitcher. Yeah, and now he comes to the Cubs and then he wins a World Series and you but, know, wins a Cy Young and you know has two no-hitters and all that extra stuff too. It's funny too because we mentioned how it's not only just sort of a dull news time since the offseason's going on, but... Everyone looks at this time as like you look at the hot stove. And um, if we would talk to us about a week ago, I think it would be called the semi-hot stove because mm-hmm. things were heating up. There were some talks. And now I think we're – the temperature here in Chicago, we've gotten our first like few days where it's like dropped to 30 degrees with like a wind chill of awful. And I think it's affected the the hot stove because it's pretty ice cold right now yeah. as far as rumors and trades and all the other news goes. By the way, we've got a lot of like little tidbits that – happened in Cubs history. Yeah. Um, 11 years ago today, on November 20th, 2006. We're just jumping everywhere. I know, we're jumping all over the place. The Cubs signed Alfonso Soriano to an eight-year, $136 million contract. The first $100 million contract in franchise history. That's from Chris Karma on Twitter. You can find him at C-Kamka. Or Kamka, sorry. Not Karma. Kamka. Mm -hmm. C-K-A-M. 
K-A. You can find that on Twitter. Um, but that's just another thing, too. That was uh, that was pretty fun to see the Cubs get involved in. And that was actually one of the first big free agent signings that we saw where you were like, all right, the Cubs are actually kind of pushing for it now. And they had the, the rotation staff around them, which, speaking of which, also links to another tidbit that we had today. Um, the Hall of Fame ballot was released by Jesse Rogers, at least Cubs who are on the Hall of Fame ballot. And uh, three of them are on there. Uh, as most of you know, Sammy Sosa is going to be on the ballot again. Kerry uh, Wood is on the ballot. And uh, Carlos Zambrano is also on the ballot. So, well, everyone can make a case for Sammy, but it's going to be really tough for him to get all the votes he needs. This isn't his first time on the ballot, is it? No, this is, I believe, I think this actually might be his last time. I was going to say, or at least like the... the each player, n- I think, gets three times. Yeah, and so this is his last chance, and I don't think he's he's gotten close any other times as far as voting goes, Hall of Fame. You can make a case for him, but it's also, it's it's really difficult for, especially if you're a writer, to justify sending a guy in from that era just because of the steroids and all the accusations and he said, she said that were thrown around all over the place regarding that time. Mm-hmm. But his stats are there. Everything is there for him to be a Hall of Famer. It's just that sort of blemish of the steroid era that came to be. And it's going to be tough for a lot of people to look past that to get him into the Hall. Now, on the other side of things... I, I I don't know if it's going to happen, but I can definitely see Wood making it in on a first ballot basis. Um, I think Kerry Wood's got unless they make him wait. He could be one of those where like the thing that's the thing that sucks for Woody is that he had a health issues that he wasn't really able to be pretty reliant upon at a, a lot because he was he was injured a lot during his career, um, especially after um, the 2004 season. He was injured a lot, and then he made that conversion to a closer. Um, during the 2008, 2007, 2009 seasons, and then he finally just ended his career as a reliever. He was never the starting pitcher that you thought he would be again, um, but he he had electric stuff. Like when, especially when you watch the highlights of his 20 strikeout game against the Astros mm-hmm. back at ninety uh, like, something. Yeah, he was like 20 at that time. Yeah, such a young kid, and his stuff was electric. He lost a lot of that because of the injuries, but. The, when you just watch what he was doing against the Astros that game in particular, you thought, dang, this guy's got a great future ahead of him. And unfortunately, it didn't quite pan out the way he did. He did have a, a great um, career, though, in the playoffs. He led the Cubs over Game 5 uh, with the uh, the Braves, or the, to beat the mm-hmm. Braves. And then um, a, one of my favorite moments in uh, his career is hitting that home run in Game 7 against the Marlins, yeah. even though they still lost that game. Um, but when you pitchers who rake, yeah. When you see him hit the long ball, you can literally just hear the whole crowd just kind of erupt. And Kerry White has gone on to say that's been the loudest he's ever heard Wrigley Field been um, during his career is when he hit that home run in Game Seven against the Marlins. Yeah, I guess it's pretty it's pretty easy from a Cubs fan's perspective to to be like, yeah, Woody's a Hall of Famer, no doubt. But I looking more into it and just sort of. Looking past, obviously, with the injury and everything, I can. I don't think he'll be a first ballot. I think at the very least he'll have a better chance on the second and third. Yeah, um, I, I, I see. I got to see who else is on the list before. Um, I think it's fair to to put Woody in that conversation. There's a lot of guys um, that I think should be a little bit more before, deserving yeah. than than Wood. The one thing that kind of annoys me about the Baseball Hall of Fame is that they are very um, they're very particular. 
with how many times a player is on the ballot. They only get three t- chances, and that could suck because, for example... Well, yeah, if you're there those three times and you're basically going up against the field every yeah, time. W- one and so- guy I think should should be in the Hall of Fame, Jim Edmonds, um, former Cub too, but also made his career known with the Cardinals, had a great career in center field, great defensively, great offensively, hit 40 home runs at one point during the, the Cardinals run, and he was on, and... How is he supposed to get a ballot when he's up against, you know, Ken Griffey Jr. and other and Trevor There's Hoffman? There's just no competition, and yeah. It, it's very hard for guys that had, in my opinion, more underrated careers like Jim Edmonds to get recognition, to get into the Hall of Fame, and to get into Cooperstown versus guys who are, you know, instantly first ballot Hall of Famers. You know, Vladimir Guerrero is on, is on that list kind of too. Um, just guys like that in general who are on that list of Vladimir Guerrero is on the going to be on the list for 2018. Trevor Hoffman stayed yeah, on the Hoffman, list. I think Both of those guys in. got 70% of the votes last time but didn't make it in because of Griffey and but others. Yeah, well, Chipper Jones going to be on the list. Jim uh Jim Tomey now coming out of the coming onto this list. So, you got a bulky um lineup of guys for the 2018 voting that Woods got to find a way to surpass to get through onto that. And yeah, so Yeah, I just I unfortunately just don't see it happening with either one of those the three guys that we mentioned with Sosa and um I was going to say I'm pretty sure also Zambrano has his has his mark in the hall. There there's got to be at least like Can one... they have a section in the hall just for like dented water coolers? I was going to say there's got to be at least and one like broken bat that he snapped over his leg or yeah. like one destroyed water Helmets. cooler from just any one of his breakdowns. Maybe a baseball that he shredded up because he was just so pissed off at I something. did like it though. He he returned uh this Maybe year. Maybe a photo of him punching Michael Barrett. That'd be great. In the dugout. That <laughs> having all that extra stuff in there. Just have a section just dedicated literally to a Carlos, Carlos Sombrano Sam- area in the Hall of Fame. Down Carlos Sombrano Rampage is just in that one section of Cooperstown. That would be I think great. they should have that just like in the Cubs Hall of Fame. Like you know how we got the park at Wrigley now there should be like a little Cubs history section built into just that. Just dented water coolers. Just dented and- <laughs> water. Just like, yeah, moments in Cub history. That'd be hilarious. Just the Carlos Zambrano era. He did actually come back um, this year, which was, I think, the yeah. first time since his he retirement. Actually, he actually helps out with the the um, the Spanish broadcasts on, um, now it's NBC Chicago or NBC Sports Chicago. Mm-hmm. It was Comcast Sportsnet. Um, I'm still not used to saying that. He got that one, one heck of an ovation, though, because he threw out the first pitch. Um, he was good in the middle of summer, and yeah, he he was really he good. came back to a really warm reception from Cubs fans, and he, it was funny because like you look back and you remember all the times he blew up and broke the bat over his leg and all well, that. Well, but other you know what though, stuff, you got to also but... look at the times where his passion came through, and like you know, he was a really good hitting pitcher. When he hit a home run, you could see him get like fired up. He he got fired up almost seemingly on everything. Yeah, and it was just. It was fun to watch. I mean, even when he got pissed off, it was kind of fun to watch. It was a win-win no matter what with that guy. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But regardless, I don't think either three of those guys have a chance, unfortunately. Well, Um, speaking of Hall of Famers, though, there is a certain Hall of Famer who's actually going to be returning back to the Cubs organization. He was um, kicked out of the new uh, Marlins era coming in with uh, Derek Jeter. And that whole squad that took over the Marlins organization. you You know what's funny is that, you know... Um, the Cubs have gotten a little bit of heat um, for you know giving out World Series rings to all these different people. It's like now they're doing the same thing with allowing people to come back in, which I'm not against at all. It's it's cool that they're allowing these former you know great players like Andre Dawson, and I'm sure if Ernie and Ron Santo were alive, they'd get the same treatment. But having those guys come in and be a part of the organization is fine. 
but it's like they're doing it so frequently it's almost as if well on you know yeah. you're hearing it left and right like you know David Ross becoming part of the organization you got Ryan Sandberg a part of it again you've got Andre Dawson and Billy they Williams. fill minor roles but it's just good to like it's more of like a respecting your elders type of move also no, I totally and get so, that yeah and Andre had actually done a lot of good work with um the Marlins organization working with outfielders and helping scout out yeah. future prospects for the outfield. And I'm happy that the Cubs not only are going to make him part of their organization, because a lot of people were like, what the hell are the Marlins doing right yeah. now? Because not only did they toss Dawson, but they tossed a lot of other special assistants who were um, close to the organization, who were veterans of the organization, and then they were just sweeped out the door because it seems like a new age is coming to Miami right now. But I'm glad he found, he's going to find a place with us. The role hasn't been announced, but it's pretty certain right now at this point that Andre is going to be coming back to the Cubs, um, helping out, and hopefully he'll help scout out some outfield talent, maybe convince Bryce Harper to come in. Who yeah. knows? <laughs> Who we knows? can only we can only hope at that point. And so um, I'm looking at the going back to the Hall of Fame ballot. I, I just have there's 14 people that were on the ballot last year that'll be on this year. Trevor Hoffman, Roger Clemens, Kurt Schilling, Fred McGriff, Billy Wagner, Barry Bonds, Vladimir Guerrero, Manny Ramirez, Jeff Kent. This isn't Barry Bonds' first ballot, is it? No, I think this is his second. I was going to say, if Barry um, can't get through, it's going to be really tough for Sammy Ed- to get Edgar through. Martinez, Mike Mussina, Larry Walker, Gary Sheffield. Um, in addition to Wood and Zambrano, there are other players appearing on the ballot for the first time, some of you which you mentioned. Andrew Jones, Chipper Jones... Um, Hideki Matsui, Jim Tomey, Johan Santana. Um, I, I didn't realize he retired. I thought he was still in Trevor the Trevor Hoffman. Um, yeah, I mentioned him earlier from he's going oh, yeah, back. Yeah. Um, Omar Vizquel, Chris Carpenter, Johnny Damon, uh, Livon Hernandez, Orlando Hudson, Aubrey Huff, Jason Isringhausen, Carlos Lee, Brad Lidge, Kevin Millwood, Jamie Moyer, Scott Rowland. So, yeah, we got Jamie uh... Moyer. How old is he? Like 60? Something he like played that. up until he was like 47. He's up there. <laughs> he hey played man, forever. Itro's still going, and he's like, how old is he right now? Well, he's uh, he's like 43. Yeah, I but was he was say... still at least good at 43. Moyer yeah. was awful in his final or in his like last two years with the uh, Rockies when he pitched. He the when Jamie Moyer was pitching with the Rockies, he had like a 12 ERA. <laughs> and he gave up like a, I think like seven runs. It was Yeesh. ridiculous. It, I don't remember what the exact number, so I'm just kind of exaggerating. But still, um, either way, um, I think that'll really wrap up that conversation. But going back to the Marlins, though, um, like you were they saying, they have earlier, a uh, trade candidate on their roster that has they, they that do is interesting quite a few teams, uh, including. Um, the Cardinals. Yeah, as we're recording this, which is on Monday, uh, November 20th, which, by the way, I hope you guys are all having a great Thanksgiving uh, or had a great Thanksgiving. Uh, oh, yeah, this will be coming out right after. And hopefully you are having a... This uh, is our Black uh, Friday episode. I we know, have deals on say. absolutely nothing. Yeah, yeah, sorry. We're not sponsored by anything. But any businesses <laughs> out there, if you yeah. want to sponsor us and get our listeners a deal, that'd be great. You can email us, 108bricksspodcast at gmail.com. Anyways, going back to the Marlins. Shameless. Um, we've already gotten reports that the... The Giants and the Cardinals have offered a trade partner or offered a, some sort of deal for John Carlos Stanton, who had 50 homers last year, and he had a great season for them. He actually was an MVP candidate, and I, I think he actually won the MVP, too. Yeah, he won the MVP. <laughs> yes. And I'm sorry, I, I'm i still kind of bummed that Nolan Arenado didn't get considered because I thought he was a little bit more deserving of the MVP um, because he's had a couple of really great seasons, and I'm tired of people saying the Colorado effect. I get it. Carries a lot out there, but he's 
phenomenal all over the place. I was going to say, he's still a great player all around. Exactly. Um, so regardless, I, I still think Arenado should have been on there. But regardless, um, it brings up an interesting question, though, because Stanton has been rumored, or nothing official yet, but has said that um, he wouldn't accept a trade to the Cardinals. Um, I wonder how like packed that deal is for him, though. Yeah, I don't know. That's that's also interesting. Um, but there are other teams like among there that have been a potential candidate. Um, the Cardinals, I just mentioned, and the Giants. The Dodgers are another one. The Red Sox. Um, they'll probably be more at to add there in a the few weeks. But I know um, you believe the Cubs should be a target for this. I think it would. I, now, okay, before people kind of go ripping me on. No, before we recorded, media, you had this whole I theory. Did. No, no, I did, and I'm I'm about to explain that. So the thing is, is that. We all know the Jason Hayward contract is a bust, and it's it's not working out. Now, I know the Marlins probably wouldn't take him in a return for that, um, so I would be up, I'd be open to keeping Hayward and still paying his contract. But you could send a haul of players to uh, Miami, including Schwarber, Hap, Almora, those three guys in particular, and you oh, could even man. maybe send if if you have you any send sort of all prospect, three of them. If potentially now the only thing is that you would have depending upon what the the Marlins are asking for like positional wise are they looking for pitching are they looking for um, offense are they looking for you know defensive outfielders that sort of thing um, depending upon what they're asking for it would probably vary upon who's offered but I think the Cubs have a good source of pitching prospects that they still have to develop and you can maybe include a, a prospect or two in that deal to send them to Miami to still develop because the other thing though too is that if you're going to send that much players you're going to have to have the Marlins eat up and pay that contract while he's here in Chicago Um, and that would mean that the financial aspect of that because this contract is ridiculously expensive it's not so much in the beginning part but it's near the end of the contract that's concerning kind of the same thing with Hayward but I think Cubs fans would rather pay the Hayward 184 million dollar contract versus Stanton's like two hundred ninety five or whatever three hundred and twenty five yeah whatever whatever the the amount is um but I, if the Marlins were able My to pay God. that and you send a, a haul of players back there and maybe what you could do is maybe get a couple of low level prospects so he has just to make it a little bit more balanced in the final seven seasons of his contract because he, it was like a thirteen year deal yeah like that's insane I didn't know how crazy that deal was yeah um if he opts out of this contract. Um, it would be two hundred and eighteen million dollars left on yep. his, left on that yep. in two hundred and eighteen million in seven years. Now here's the thing: if you were to if you were to trade away Schwarber and Hap and Almora and that sort of thing, you could move Hayward to center, and you could have Stanton in right, and then you would have to find somebody to play left field, which you could probably have Ben Zobris do, and then you have Baez at second, and then your team is pr- pretty much solidified, and then you wouldn't have that. That rotation of players that Joe was struggling with to find equal playing time yeah, for but everybody. That's here's the also thing though is that that rotation of players is what Joe loves. I understand. There is that. no way in the world they would want to get rid of so many utility guys like no, that, I, including Elmora and Hap, which is why I see that just as such a far fetched idea. Yes, I'd love to have Stanton, and like it wouldn't. It'd be awesome to have another power hitting outfielder, especially with how just bad just, yeah, his offense is, how bad Hayward's offense is now I much w- I would much rather just go with another year of Hayward um people are still saying 
his swing is that you're supposed to give him a year after he retooled it. And this supposedly now 2018 is going to be his breakout year. Who knows if that's going to happen or not. You still love the guy for his defense. You have, um, and here's the other thing too, is you're going to have to obviously eat up that backloaded contract and you're going to have an absolutely insane free agency market coming the next year after. Yeah. And so the other thing too, is that, you know, with, with the trades that the Cubs did with, or all this Chapman and Quintana, the the farm system is pretty decimated at this point. Um, the one thing too that I think would be interesting is though, um, maybe instead you could keep a guy like Ian Happ, or you could maybe throw in at different guys. Maybe you want to throw in a Javier Baez in the mix in, instead, and you can keep Ian Happ. But you know, like, yeah, or and, you can, and that way you can keep the versatility. Um, I think if you're just looking for, no, I, I'm not. Now let me be clear. I'm not saying that the Cubs. Should get Giancarlo Stanton. I think that if they make that if would anything, be the deal. That well, if they, I think if they were going to, that'd probably be what the deal the, the Marlins are yeah. going to be asking for and everything like that. But I think it's I pretty clear think... if any blockbuster trade happens, like big names get moved with the Cubs, it's going to be for pitching, just because like you, you look at the list of 2018 free agents. Yeah, you have Bryce Harper going on the market, Andrew McCutcheon possibly going on the market, AJ Pollock. Michael uh, Brantley coming onto the market. There's going to be a plethora of outfielders coming into 2018. Well, and that's the thing. And the other thing, too, is that if you were to trade away, um, you know, Schwarber or a guy like that, you would replace your 30 30 home run hitter with a 50 home run hitter. And Stanton had 132 RBIs in in his year last year. And on top of that, the Marlins' offense wasn't good at all. No. So for him to produce that highly... With a not so good offense, he'd be thrown in a mix with a better team, a better culture. Those numbers could be being inflated a little bit, and you might get maybe a sixty <laughs> home run season or something like that. I'm just saying, so here's hypothetically, a, not here's saying a this weird idea also because not only that, but 2018 is also the first mark of uh, the first of two potential opt outs for no, Jason I, Hayward's I contract. So. What if the Cubs find a magical way to? Uh, well, of I think it's a player back? opt-out. Yes, I don't think it's, it's a, a player. Club no, no, it's a player opt-out. But they would find some magical way to convince him to to do that, and then they'd go after Harper or another big outfielder potentially because then yeah, they wouldn't have that contract is, bearing the, down on the him. The thing is, I th- I I also look at the Harper contract. He's probably going to ask for four hundred million dollars, which is insane. Um, and knowing pay a team up. like knowing a team like <laughs> the Yankees or uh, you know something like that would be willing to pay that. Um, but I don't know if it's interesting. I, I definitely think that if the Cubs were in the running, it could help out with something. But um, the the two things right now is I don't want the Cardinals to get him, and I don't want the Brewers to get Arietta. Those are the two things because I think if the Brewers get Arietta, the Brewers become really really close to possibly taking the division yeah. away from the Cubs. And if the Cardinals get Stanton, um, I I don't trust the Cardinals' rotation. But their offense would, I would assume, he'd be such a wasted opportunity down there. I would if he, if if I'm him, I, I would want to go to a team that at least can. Well, compete. I, and a lot of people are saying that he'll go to a coastal team like um like a, a New York or um Anywhere like the Dodgers. The Yankees, please, he'd, he'd prove a, a trade like that. <laughs> yeah, no Yankees, no Cardinals, no Brewers. That's my three uh, three strikes on that one. Although. If he went to the Yankees, that'd be insane because then you'd have an Aaron Judge, Judge and Stanton. And Stanton. The, holy cow! That is a, <laughs> and then they signed Hayward, or, and, and then they signed Bryce Harper, and they got. Oh my god! I don't think the, they would sign Harper. That would be the that. best outfield in baseball. Period. Well, I think Stanton would just be your DH, and Judge would 
I, well, because of Judge's Come on, height, man. How would no, you not well, want a what, Stanton Judge Harper well, no, outfield? But, no, what I'm saying is they'd have to move Judge to first base oh, because Judge's height and his – I mean, he did yeah. good defensively this year, but I don't think he's um, well God, enough be nuts. to play defense at with his figure, at least, in right field. How do you pitch around that line? <laughs> You don't. You just uh, kind of Stanton you, Harper. You just cry as you watch the baseballs gosh. go over the fence. Of one well, remember we another. thought the same thing though with when Schwarber was going to supposedly be the leadoff guy with a Schwarber Bryant Rizzo one two three punch to start off a game. Everybody thought that would be insane to try to pitch around, and that never worked out changes, at yeah. all. So you never know with these sort of things. Well, um, anyways, should we move on to our, our stories, our World Series Well, we got stories? one more news because this oh, wouldn't okay. be our podcast recording if we weren't going to talk about something related to Tampa Bay. And that is uh, Cobb is still on the market. And he actually came out saying a few uh, – it was about a week ago, actually. He said he was honored to be talking with the Cubs. Yeah. And so he's expressed a lot of interest in coming over to Chicago. But a few other teams have emerged, and it seems to be right now – the Cubs versus the Yankees yeah. in the battle for him. Uh, we know he would be a perfect fit. I think we've we've said it multiple times. It would, he would be a perfect pit, fit as long as it comes at the right price. Yeah, I'm, I get a little worried just because New York is involved and you know how much money you knew New York yeah. loves just kind of shoving in the face of all their players. Um, and that's the thing. Even with the luxury tax, the Yankees can still afford yeah, to they pay the luxury tax. They just don't care. They're like, we, luxury tax? What luxury tax? Here, have a $500 million contract. Yeah, we don't care. And so, obviously, there's more going to be developing on that story. The winter meetings will be kicking off soon. Hopefully, our next recording will be like jam-packed. Some blockbuster deal Hopefully. happened. Yeah. That, and at this point, nobody knows. But That'd be the goal. Um, Boston's also getting into the mix with that, and we'll see if the Cubs can come out on top on that libra- on library, that lottery. I don't know. <laughs> English is difficult. <laughs> yeah, they're they're going to the quiet section of the library. To it's get, like a Joe Madden thing, right there. That would be a Joe Madden thing. <laughs> I could totally see that being a Joe Madden thing. Yeah, I met John Carlos Stanton in the library. We had a good talk <laughs> over some baseball. coffee and a good book. <laughs> and, and I just convinced was, him to come he was over reading, here. Uh, he was reading Huckleberry Finn. We're <laughs> <laughs> terrible. Gosh, I know. We're, we're also just goofballs. But anyways, All right. we well. We have some stories. Last week, we asked you guys to give us some World Series stories. I know, Curtis, you got a few, so yeah. we'll, we'll have you read yours. I'll um, share mine, and then... Yeah, so this is from my friend Steve. Um, Steve, what up, w- Steve watched Game 7 of the World Series at home. Um, he said, as... He's, he's again telling me this, so... Curtis, as you know, I'm a big baseball fan. Um, heading into Game 7, I just remember feeling nauseous throughout the whole entire day, which I think all of us kind of felt nauseous <laughs> throughout the whole entire day. I was going to say, I was about halfway through a six-pack, like, by the third inning, just because I was just, like, I yeah. just nervous, like, drinking the entire time. Yeah. And, and I was like, oh, no, I need to slow down. <laughs> uh, anyways, he continues saying, in hindsight, it's kind of funny to, to look at how I was feeling. But at the time, I remember thinking that the plan was to go with Hendricks for seven innings if he could get there, in parentheses. Um and hoping that, if anything, Joe Madden strictly saves uh, Araldus Chapman for the ninth, and maybe John Lester would come into middle relief, which sounded like a good idea. But in at theory, the, in, but again, in hindsight, wasn't quite the case at all. The Cubs were up, and Joe took Kyle Hendricks out of the game. I wasn't sure why at that exact moment because I thought Hendricks was pitching well. Later on, as the rest of the game goes, the home run off of 
uh, or all this Chapman to tie the game made me sick to my stomach. I went into another room. I couldn't watch the ninth inning. And when it came down to it, I finally decided to man up and watch the rest of the game just to see what would happen. I came back and watched during the middle of the rain delay, and I couldn't listen to Joe Buck anymore, so I turned on the radio. The radio was ahead of the television, so at the time when I heard the call about the ground ball to Bryant for the final out, I was just hoping that I wouldn't hear Pat Hughes saying he threw it away. But when when Pat Hughes said it's in time, the ball went into Anthony Rizzo's glove, and I cried tears of joy for the first time in a long time and fell to my knees and was just remarkably happy. I've been a Cubs fan my whole life. Nobody in my family is a baseball fan. It's been remarkable to see how this team has progressed from so long. I remember going to baseball games with you and other friends too, thinking, when are we going to see a chance of this team going to the World Series? And when that finally happened, I felt like as if nothing else needed to happen. That was from Steve. Thanks, Steve. Thank you, Steve. That's Indeed. your story right there. Like That's like, I think, how kind of everyone else felt. Yeah. It's, it's just kind of like baseball makes you do weird things sometimes <laughs> uh it, it, it your story sort of reminded me i just remember i was at my friend's place during game seven and um this was when right around the time lester came to the mound uh and they brought in rossi to catch yeah. and i just remember um my friend had noticed he's like i got the same glove as david ross and so he goes he disappears for like a few minutes and he comes back with his base with his catcher's <laughs> mitt because he was a catcher in high school and he was like holding it up like doing the signs and oh, stuff gosh. during game seven which i'd never seen anyone do that before and i'm like god that's like the exact thing is like you don't think it'll help but in your mind like it's anything totally, any superstition it's absolutely yeah. stupid but any, anything you could do, like you're like, yeah, this will help. Uh, so I've got I've got two stories. One is, uh, well, first off, during the, uh, game six, um, I was uh, I was I got home. I watched part of it down on, on the on like my TV level, and then I went upstairs. And uh, I think I think the Cubs were up by a, a few runs at that point. Um, but I went upstairs and I watched, and I actually I didn't watch. I listened to the game on the radio up in my room. And I kept hearing, you know, the Cubs kept going through and everything. And then I ended up watching the rest of the game upstairs and they just cruised the rest of the the way. And so for game seven, I was sitting downstairs watching the whole thing on TV on my on my couch, in my living room. And then after the home run tied it, I immediately went upstairs to my bedroom, turned on the radio (laughs) and And I decided I couldn't I, I decided I couldn't listen to the final out. I'd have to see it. So I literally took the chair that I was sitting on in my bedroom and moved it out into the hallway, which <laughs> overlooks the living room on the railing. And I watched it sitting on that chair upstairs. On, <laughs> I called it the upper deck just for Perfect. the hell of it. So I called it the upper deck and I sat up there in the upper deck watching the final out happen, just being superstitious as hell that game. God, man, that whole World Series, I, I don't know if you were around Wrigleyville at the time. Did you, you were? The only time I was down at Wrigleyville, I was down there twice. Once was for um, game six against LA, in which I was in, I was at the corner of uh, uh, Waveland and Sheffield, right by um, Murphy's Bleachers, and uh, just being in a huge crowd of people. Some dude offered us cocaine at one Sounds point after right. they won. It was just really bizarre. Like everything that was just transpiring, it was, it was really. It was chaotic to really kind of summarize it. Bedlam is another word people use too. Um, but I was in the middle of that intersection surrounded by tons of people. 
and a, another lady pulled down on my hoodie that I was wearing underneath my John Lester jersey. I just, and yeah. I've told you this before, but she kept asking me, are you John Lester? And I don't look anything like John <laughs> no, Lester. That, first yeah, off, not I even have, close. First off, not I even have, close. First off, I have hair. John Lester's bald. And so you, I, no you already know hair. that this lady is not a Cubs fan because she doesn't know John Lester's Probably bald. Probably drunk. Yeah, she was extremely drunk. And... As I'm trying to like negotiate, like and not well, yeah, navigate negotiate. my way, not negotiate, navigate my way out of there. My friend Sean runs into Marlins man hey. and got a picture with him, so that was pretty funny. Um, but as I'm negotiating, and I said that again, negotiating, navigating my way out of the crowd. I know Beautiful. English is great. We're just um, we're just going downhill <laughs> in our grammar here. As I'm navigating my way out of that crowd, um, this lady kept pulling on my hood, and it, she kept choking me. And like pulling me back, and I finally just like kind of like elbowed her, and like finally got out kinda, of the crowd because yeah. it was just getting annoying, and everybody was like grabbing onto each other, and I was happy. I'm it, inside it was Wrigley all over the place during that yeah. time. I I was lucky enough. I was at every playoff game, home playoff oh, yeah, game you during the Cubs working. run because I work there. But um, I actually I had so I had tickets. Actually, I I was there for a fan for one game, and that was Game Five of the World Series mm-hmm. out in the bleachers, and like. It's hard for me because there's I just have way too many stories from the 2016 season, from yeah. just like the postseason to for like every World Series game. But I just remember Game Five because that was the, the elimination game, and we were at that point where it's like the Cubs had finally made it to the World Series, and yeah, and now we are facing an elimination game, and yeah. we hadn't even won a home game in the World Series in like 50 years. Yeah, and so you could tell. In the park before the game starts, like it was like probably like the most like somber mood. Yeah, you could have ever been. It was just actually it's it funny was tense and just like I was outside after I was there in the city um, for Game Four, mm-hmm. um, and I remember after them losing, like the same sort of feeling. Everybody's just kind of down, not much really happening. And I remember going out to the bars afterwards, not in Wrigleyville. We actually went to Wicker Park, but even still, because it was on Halloween, just walking mm-hmm. around and just like the overall feeling of like you tried to, everything was trying to feel normal. Like you could tell everyone yeah, was like, okay, this trying, is just a normal day. We're trying to feel normal. We're trying to have, a, you know, at least try to look on the positive side. But, you know, right after, especially because I think they lost, was it seven to two? It was pretty that rough. Game, it was a rough game. It, it just all signs indicated they weren't going to, you know, pull this out. And of course, and game six was, or game five was not uh, an easygoing game at all. Um, they they yeah. lost the lead early off of, off, of a, off of a home run, and then Chris Bryant, Bryant tied, ended, it. tied it, and then they gained the lead off of a single um, from, God, I want to uh, say Javi, but the they, most. They the got thing, a sack fly from uh, Ross, yeah. I think, too, which also, I think, scored Zobrist or something. And the thing I remember most from that is just the multi the multi inning save from Aroldis Chapman in that game and just everybody literally every time he took the mound and just like went to go pitch you could just everyone was just silent I had never heard Wrigley that quiet even that it's time where there was by far the most people packed into that stadium Uh, the most it was the quietest I've ever heard the most quiet I heard ever heard Wrigley was when I was at game um game four at home um this playoff series and Michael Taylor hit that grand slam at this point, the Cubs' offense was just really brutal. Nobody was getting – Strasburg was just dominant. He struck out 14 Cubs in that game. And the Cubs were down by one or two runs, and you were just like, okay, this can come back, and they can fix this really easily. And then that grand slam, and everybody was just like, 
Hey, well, I was there. Shit. <laughs> I was there. That was yeah. rough. That was the quietest I've ever heard Wrigley Field. That was a one time. So that's our stories, and we want you guys to send in more stories. I think in honor of the winter meeting starting up next week, mm-hmm. we were, I think, let's give, uh, if you want to send in your favorite Cubs trade or free agent signing ever, like out of all the years, who was like your most favorite Cubs pickup? That they had added to their team through any thing. through any any millennial generation year, any off season, anything or like that. really anything like that. We'll give you our favorites coming in the next week. We want to hear from you guys. You can give us an email at one hundred eight bricks at uh, that's not what it's called one hundred eight bricks podcast at, at gmail dot com. There we go. Twitter is one hundred eight bricks. <laughs> you're way better at this. Than I know. And then Facebook just one hundred eight bricks podcast a Cubs podcast. That's why you're talking to the guy. I forget the password to the the Gmail account I just do, about every week. Well, the Facebook stuff I don't really do much. Um, I'm more involved on the Twitter side. I of post, things. yeah, I post on the Facebook once in a while, but most of the time, I if I ever try to go check the email, I'm like, hey Curtis, what's the email address password? Because I forgot again. <laughs> but please send us in your stories. We'd love to hear from you guys, and um, we'll see you can you hear your name time. on the air, like Steve. Yes, shout thank out you, to Steve. Steve. You're you're the man for sending us your story and whatnot. And, and Todd then, sent us an email like a month ago. Yeah, or he, something like yeah, that. he was giving some feedback on the night games. We love to hear yeah. from you guys, um, and so. Please send us an email. Send us a message on Facebook, Twitter, whatever. Know. We'll 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 try to reply back. If there's to anything you. you want us to talk about in particular, yeah, in the next episode, we're too. desperate for content. No, <laughs> we're, well, we're, we're kind of desperate for content, but at that point, as we were saying, we're hoping that big yeah. stuff happens at the winter meeting. So and we'll also have something else. on a, on a last note, because we are still we are in the holiday season for the first time in almost like five years. The ice rink is going to be opening at Wrigley. Yes, again. the park at Wrigley will be having the ice rink. That's opening on Friday. The day we'll be posting it. Actually, yes, will be the um, opening of the ice rink as well as the Chris Kringle market. That's going going to be going on at the park at Wrigley. So I'm I'm forcing Curtis to go there. He said he says he's not the best See, skater. But I'm not we'll, the best skater, but I'll do it. We'll do it. We'll have a good time out there. We encourage everyone to go out there. I think that'll be it for this episode, though. We'll see you guys next week. Please send us some emails. We want to hear from you. <laughs> follow us on social media. Don't follow us in real life, though. But yeah, we'll, be, we'll be happy to hear from you guys. See you guys next week. Thanks for listening. <laughs>